Father in heaven, we are thankful that you are our God, our Father, that we can come to you, and, and we do right now as we begin this last presentation together in this marriage seminar. We ask that you would bless us, that your Holy Spirit would work in each one of our hearts, Lord, that we would be sensitive and surrendered to your will, that we can turn our me focus that just so automatically comes up into an us focus through the grace and power of the Holy Spirit and through your love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. For our love, that's what we're going to be talking about today. What are we willing to do for our love? Because many times, and you've heard us say this over and over again through this week, many times we just slip unintentionally but naturally into the me focus. What can she do for our love? Works, you know, works both ways. So today we're going to be talking about how we can really grow our love. Speaking of growing, uh, we were asked to do the Michigan Conference marriage retreat up at Camp Asable a year ago, March. And that was a real joy. And as we were there sharing that retreat and, you know, giving people encouragement as to how we can make our marriages better, I told my wife, right in the middle of it, I said, I am experiencing another love growth spurt. That's good news, isn't it? And it was. And you weren't even surprised. No, I mean, before he ever said anything, I knew it was happening. I, I was feeling it. I was a part of it. And it was so exciting to think that, you know, when we're in a venue like this and we have a lot of responsibility, we have a term. My husband, he's termed this. He says, I'm in meeting mode. You know what that means? I'm in my meeting box, okay? It's kind of like I'm at work right now. So that's where I am, but, you know, those other things can come later. But to have an incredible, visible, physical, emotional communication, love growth spurt in the middle of your work, that's exciting, isn't it? Amen. You can tell we love this topic of marriage because it, God keeps showing us that we do not need to be stagnant we can continue to grow our love, and that's what eternity is all about, growing our love for him. And we will never be stagnant. So let's practice that love growth spurt, not only with the Lord, but in our marriages as well. So yes, I, did, I could identify it. First Thessalonians, the third chapter, in verse 12 says, And the Lord make you increase and abound in love one toward the other. Who's going to do this? The Lord. Does he want to do this? Can he do this? Will we let him do this? Oh, good. A little quieter, but there was an agreement there. Because there is a part that we play, although it is a very small part, to let the Lord, who wants to make us increase and abound in our love towards one another in marriage, there is a small part that we play that's very important, and that is that we are willing to surrender this old self that is so ugly and rears its head so that God can give us a better way where love abounds. So this presentation today is kind of like a culmination of what we've talked about, but we're going to add to what we've been talking about all week, and we're going to look at four areas of intimacy so we're going to be discussing, discussing the topic of intimacy today. Now, we talked about it yesterday, and so if you have your children here, this one's okay for them to be on, okay? So we're going to talk in adult terms, and anyway, it'll be fine. So we're going to talk first about the intimacy we have in our communication. Then we're going to look at emotional intimacy in the marriage relationship. 
physical intimacy in the marriage relationship, and last but not least, most important, our spiritual intimacy in the relationship. So the communication intimacy, because communication or the lack thereof or ineffective communication is so destructive to the marriage, it's the number one reason, as we've said earlier, that marriages separate and break down and some ultimately and tragically end in divorce. We need to develop communication intimacy. Do you believe that? <laughs> this does not happen by accident. And we're going to talk about our early marriage and although my wife said I was the best male communicator that she had ever known going into our marriage, something went terribly wrong when the me focus started popping up with things in the first few months of marriage that showed us that we needed help. Yes. I remember one day having, and, and this wasn't, I mean, this wasn't something happening regularly, but it happened enough that was very disappointing, discouraging, actually, in our relationship because we were in love. And, and actually, I have to say, I must have been totally naive. But because we had no issues prior to marriage that we couldn't work through, and because we were so in love, I really thought it, that what we were experiencing before we said I do was just going to continue to grow and blossom, and we were just going to go through life in love, blissful, happily ever after. You've heard that term, right? And you, know, and you will live happily ever after. Don't put up your hands, because we haven't always lived happily ever after. And so this was one of these days. It was a day we were off work, Sunday, and we were both home. I don't remember what we got into a disagreement about, but... You know, we're good at compounding. We have a, a problem today. Women especially, we bring up all the problems of the past and we add it to the problem of the day. And then we can make a real big deal out of it. Well, that was weakness that I had. And I don't remember what we were having a struggle with. But anyway, our communication was failing drastically. And it went from bad to worse. And my emotions were all wrapped up in it. And I, I felt so frustrated and so hurt, and so misunderstood. And I thought, okay, I went, you know, he went his way, and I went my way. We can find somewhere else in the house to go and get busy and hide and, and just kind of avoid each other. I know you've done it, so I'm not going to act like we're the only ones. But I had this thought, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to go downstairs to the garage, and I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going to go shopping. I know I'll feel better if I go shopping. So there's nothing wrong with shopping. But the problem was is I never said a thing to him about what I was going to do. I decided, okay, if he's going to be like that, I'm going to do my thing. So I got in the car, and our car was in the basement of the home. So you could hear when the garage door opened. You could hear the automobile start, but apparently heard none of it. This is pre-cell phone days. And I drove myself into town, and I started shopping, and I was going to drown my sorrows in shopping. And I was absolutely miserable. I felt totally guilty for acting like a child and huffing out of the house and doing my thing and being actually crude and rude to my husband and not saying anything to him about it. But there was a part of my mind that said, had this picture, he will miss me. And then he's going to feel bad about this conversation that didn't go well. And then he's going to come looking for me, and I am not going to be anywhere around. And he's going to feel worse, and he's going to worry about me. And I, I kind of like that idea that he might worry about me, because I didn't think he really was were, you know, paying that much attention or whatever. And I had this whole scenario happening in my head, and I can tell you who is driving that. That's called our adversary, divide and conquer. That's Those kind of thoughts you know are from the devil. Then I had this other side of me. This is mean. This is cruel. This is not the way you behave. This is not mature. Who do you think was putting those kind of thoughts in my head? 
the one who wants to bring us together, right? So I was miserable. 45 minutes later, probably, I'm on my way home, and I am rehearsing my confession and my repentance for acting so childish, and I'm going to go to him. I'm going to tell him I'm so sorry about it, and as I'm driving home, all these good thoughts are in my head, and then I have these other set of thoughts that come into my thinking, and they were like this. Well, you know, when you drive in, he's going to be there to see you, right? Because he's feeling sick that you've left. He doesn't know where you are. He's all worried about you. And he's going to be standing outside looking because he knows you're gone somewhere, looking for you to come back. And I came... A wonderful imagination. (laughs) I came around the corner. He wasn't outside. He wasn't in the garage. You know, I opened the door, I shut the door, I turned the car off. I should have honked the horn, but I didn't. (laughs) I came up the stairs so that my presence would be known, and he was nowhere to be found. And that bothered me. It really bothered me. And all those good thoughts that the Lord was putting in my head about saying, Honey, I'm sorry, and I acted this way, and I should have never done that. Somehow they got buried by the other thoughts, and I went looking for him, and I found him, and, and I said something like, did you miss me? He said, go ahead. I, I didn't know you were gone. <laughs> now, that bothered me, and our communication what I thought when I left home was at the bottom. We, we found a new bottom to our communication. And you can, you can laugh and relate because you see the, shall I say, stupidity of how irrational a human mind can be. Yeah, but, but they're all irrational too, so they, <laughs> they also can enter in. Okay. So w- communication is so vitally important And I hope you captured through this illustration that we have two voices constantly speaking to us. Satan and self, which causes us to do irrational things. And then we have the Spirit of God calling to our heart that wants to restore the relationship and to build communication and to bring harmony, love, and unity back into the relationship. So yesterday we talked about mutuality. And we began to understand that if we wanted to break the the cycle of malfunction, which we also talked about this week, that we're going to have to stop, at some point stop, going back to my default mode, her default mode. And it looks like this. If she would just understand where I'm coming from, if she would just get the picture that I'm trying to portray, we wouldn't have these breakdowns in communication. Why doesn't she get it? And she is saying the same thing in her personality. Why can't he just understand? Why can't he just listen to what I'm trying to tell him? And so we began, because by God's grace, we, we were in love, and we wanted to grow our love. And so we began, and what we've tried to encourage you through the week, we began to really listen with understanding. That means really listening to know what she's trying to say, what she might not be saying right, but get the essence of it, because my, my desire is to understand her, which is very different than the me focus, which is my desire to get her to understand me. Now, this is not complicated in theory. <laughs> it is very complex in reality, because... I keep calling it the default mode. Our natural tendency is to want to be understood because, come on, everybody knows I'm right. How many people do you know that go around saying, I I don't think I'm right. I don't think my opinion's any good. I think everybody else is right. We naturally go there 
And when we start to hear something that crosses us, we naturally want to go and interrupt. Or go and say, it's not like that. Or, and we began to realize we need to listen to understand and not be worried. Self is always worried about the outcome for me. And I tell you, when we switch our frame of mind under the inspiration of God, that's what true Christians are wanting to be in the will of God, okay? When we, when we let him work in us, and our real desire is to be us, it is an amazing thing. And you can begin to have understanding communication which will give you aha moments and say, oh, is that what you're really like? <laughs> is that what you really meant? And it begins to revolutionize our communication. So the intimacy of communication, there's many aspects of that. We, we spent a whole presentation on communication, but we're going to add some things we didn't talk about the other day that really spice up our communication. It's looking for opportunities to say these one-liners not because we think, and we have to think, okay, what shall I say today? And we go write it down, and then we wait for the moment, and we say, oh, here, let me see. Oh, this is what I need to tell you today. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spontaneous responses in communication, one-liners that show a very deep level of intimacy, love, and connectedness. An example of that, I'll say to my husband sometimes, I just love being with you. I just love being with you. It can be in the middle of a workday. It can be as we're traveling to a, an event. It can be, you know, taking a walk together. Just when the thought comes, express the thought. That one line is a message of intimate communication that reaches his heart and makes us automatically gravitate closer together. Amen. Now, that is something that she says to me quite a lot. Do I get tired of it? No. To me, those are words of affirmation. That's my number one love language. <laughs> I don't get tired of it. Now, she doesn't overuse it, but I tell you, I don't think she could overuse it. But the other day, I said something to her that was very deep and not something that she would be hearing on a regular basis, but she... She's starting to hear it more. And that is, I said to her, I love that quiet. <laughs> I said, it is amazing that God allowed you to be my wife. And you would have had to have been there. Well, no, you wouldn't have to be there. She was there. <laughs> But it was deep. It was. And, and it's the way he said it was so deep. And, and it said to me, I love you so much. I, like he was having a new insight to the specialness of, that I brought into his life. And that really was very, very, very impactive to me. Other things, and, and put it in the context of your home, okay, and who you are. If you are not used to doing this, that's okay. You can start off with anything that's positive, that communicates a message that I'm in love with you. I like being around you. You know, I'm happy when I'm with you. Those kind of things are good. Oh, go ahead. No, no go ahead. Well, I was going to say... I was just even you. thank you. <laughs> even though my mom lives with us and my husband is very attentive to her, I say to him, "It's so special to me the way you treat mother," or "I appreciate the way that you treat mother." It's like you treat her like she's your own mother. That just expressing that to him. How do you think that makes him feel? Great. And like he wants to be more attentive to who? Mother, right? So. But that's not why she's saying it. No, I'm not to saying To make that. me more attentive. No, but I appreciate it. Or he, he says to me, this, this is really. Now, you know, I've done the nursing background. I was cardiac rehab. And I am all about the eight natural laws of health, okay? 
the most, one of the most violated laws of health that we do is lack of exercise, or that we don't do, is exercise. So I know that. I mean, I would put all these patients through this. You must exercise. You must exercise. You know, it's so good for you. But we, life is a busy place, and, and we get busy and consumed, and that's usually the first thing that we drop off. And I'm guilty of that. But even though it can be my habit, and I may be exercising for weeks at a time, without missing any day. And my husband sees me heading out to the exercise room and the treadmill, or he sees me putting on my shoes, I'm going for a walk. He says, honey, I like, thank, thank you for exercising. He says, it really means a lot that you take care of yourself, that you, you want to have a healthy body. That tells him, I want to live a long time with him, right? I do. So those things that happen routinely in the home, when he shares that with me, that is a motivation for me to get those shoes on the next day if I don't feel like it. It's a motivation for me to get over there and put that treadmill on and pump, you know, put the elevation up and run the speed up or whatever it is. It, it really, he has been a tremendous encouragement to me to be faithful in exercise, even though I know I should. Yeah, for me... Um I used to be a person that exercised when I had time, or I was a person that thought, I don't really need to, I do a lot of activities and I'm athletic. But in 1993, I had a herniated disc, and I won't tell you that whole story, but that changed my whole outlook on exercise. And I started walking four miles a day, and from that time on, 1993 to today, exercise is something I love. Mm -hmm. I no longer say, do I have time to fit it in? I'm so busy. Yes, I am busy. But it's, it's just, again, it's the frame of mind that we have. And if our frame of mind towards each other is becoming more and more of that mutuality of wanting, this is something I can do for our love. You know, whatever it is, one of the things I love to say to my wife, and I say this a lot, there is nobody in the world that I would rather be with than you. That's right. And she knows that. And I'm glad about that. <laughs> and the nice thing is that it's absolutely true. That even makes it better, right? So I've had some people that, you know, it's like, well, help me think of some things I could say. It's like, no, we're not going there, okay? <laughs> I want you to think about reality, and if that reality doesn't look good, I want you to do something about making it different, because God wants to help you do that, mm -hmm. okay? I'm not going to give you the lines you need to say about that person. That's right. And if you go back to the first day and you wrote that list, and hopefully you're adding to it as you let your mind go back to those early days before marriage, you will have a good baseline of information on which to start making your communication more intimate, just based on that list itself. So we want to talk about emotional intimacy for our love. This is another important aspect of keeping our relationship growing in love and in intimacy. We need emotional connection and intimacy. When we use the word intimacy, we usually think of a particular act that happens, you know, every so often, however that is in the framework of your, your marriage. But intimacy is about so many other things that makes the act that we usually think of so special. Without the, these areas of intimacy being developed in our relationship, then the likelihood of having a miracle later in the day is getting pretty small. So especially for women, men listen up, emotional intimacy is extremely important. And I want to say it's important for the guys too. But usually we women get tagged with, oh, we're the emotional being in the relationship. But it is important, you know, well, healthy emotions. Yeah, bo both, both of us need that. I can remember um, shortly after we got married, uh, a lot of memories coming back here. In fact, when we've been walking in the morning, I just had to throw this in. Okay, well, you do it on the clock, though. <laughs> yes, very quickly. <laughs> there used to be railroad tracks that went out here into Edmore. And uh, anyway, I, I told my wife that one time I walked into Edmore. Wasn't really supposed to, but don't tell anybody, okay? 
but we've been walking on, on, on that new bike path while it's new, new to me, and it, it's been a real joy. But many memories coming back here, and one of the memories is that I had two of my dearest friends. Uh, we, we were kind of called the Three Musketeers back in our senior year. Um, one of them is dead now, and Jeff, unfortunately, died when he was 28 years old. But before he died... I wanted to take my wife to be with him at a special gathering for, for many of our friends and, and some of his relatives. And I was so excited about taking her and introducing my new bride to the family and some of the friends that you know we had gone to school together and so forth. And it was exciting. We got there. I knew nothing about you know uh, that she had any allergies or anything. <laughs> And we got there, and it was in the middle of hay season. And there were hay fields around Jeff's farm, okay, in his house. And now we're sitting there. She hadn't been there more than how long? Oh, 15, 20 minutes at the most. <laughs> here's, here's the scenario. I know him. He's my husband. And I know Jeff because he sang at our wedding. So I met him, you know, over the course of our wedding weekend, other than that, I know no one. And he knows everyone. So I'm coming into the situation a little bit intimidated and insecure and wanting to make, of course, a good impression, right? And not only was it, you know, Jeff still lived with his family in the family farmhouse. It wasn't just him, but it was some of their classmates from here, right? From this school. Maybe some of them... His old girlfriends, I don't know, but there were going to be several of the old classmates there as well. So I'm coming into this a little bit insecure, for sure. And so I'm really wanting to be close to him. And they were expecting us. They had this big, you know, all these chairs out in the yard, surrounded by hayfields. Well, I, I never thought about allergies because I lived in suburbia. There are no hayfields in Chicago. And so... <laughs> It was totally off my radar. I hadn't been around hayfields for years. And we got out there, and all of a sudden I started doing... You now might... stop right there. How many people know what that is? Raise your hand. Oh, wow, you got a lot of friends here. He didn't know what it was. He says, what are you doing? She says, I'm scratching my throat. I said, no, you scratch your throat like this. What are you doing? I'm scratching the inside of my throat. I said, who scratches the inside of their throat? <laughs> I do. So we're trying to have a very discreet conversation amongst all of these people. And then the sneezing began. And it did not let up. It, it, I sneeze and I sneeze. Usually, you know, you sneeze two or three times, clear the dust, you're good to go. He said... I said to her, I said, honey, can you just control yourself? <laughs> I was trying to. And, of course, I didn't realize I had forgotten as a child I was extremely allergic to hay and certain grasses. So I'm actually, you know, looking back now, I was heading for a medical crisis <laughs> And he's worried about how am I going, how is he, how are we going to look amongst his friends? I said, how am I going to look? No, how's he going to look? Because he wanted to make a good impression. And here is his wife, his brand new bride, like acting like, <laughs> like this. Well, we got, you know, Jeff's mom brought me a box of tissues. And finally, I just had to leave and go into the house because I could hardly breathe out there. And I couldn't control myself. My eyes are watering, and they're itchy, so I'm doing this. And that didn't help. And then they're swelling, and I really was getting to have a distorted, you know, look. <laughs> and he's out there visiting with his friends and having a good time, and I'm in the house totally miserable. And I am starting to get upset with him because I'm left out. But I actually had to leave. And, of course, going in the house, I thought I would get some relief, but it's a farmhouse. They didn't have air conditioning, so all the windows are open, so it didn't help a lot. Anyway, we were there. We survived the two-day weekend, 
And I didn't spend any t more time outside. I spent most of the time in the room sneezing, digging my eyes. In the morning, they would match shut. I'd had to peel them apart like this. Anyway, emotionally, that was devastating for me. I felt like a failure, a fool, let him down. And, you know, I think at first he was embarrassed, then he got frustrated. But I have to say, by the grace of God, before we left there that weekend, he had turned to compassion and understanding. Yes, thank the Lord. <laughs> but you heard that. The me focus, there's the default again. It's like, this is not turning out right for my friends. No, for you. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying they're getting the wrong impression. It's really not like this. She doesn't have big eyes that are swollen shut. <laughs> she doesn't have this big red nose. This is, not, this is not the picture that I wanted to have for my friends. But that's self. And then, yes, a little frustration because she went through every Kleenex in the house, toilet paper. <laughs> but then, you know, like I say, guys are clueless. Eventually, I started becoming compassionate. That's right. Very understanding. And, you know, sometimes we miss it at the front end. This, is, this illustration is to help us see. As soon as something starts to go awry, we need to, to tune into emotional intimacy, right, at that point. And knowing I was coming back to Michigan, and I wasn't sure how many hayfields would be around here, I brought allergy medicine I know works for hayfields. It's in my purse. I haven't let go of it since I've been here. Praise the Lord, I haven't needed it. But back then, I didn't understand. And they didn't have a lot of options back in that day, because it's a long talking time talking about ago. the old days, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a reference here in Adventist Home, page 106, that behooves each of us to take on board in our thoughts and heart about our relationship, especially in the context of intimacy in our relationship, be determined never to grieve or injure your spouse, period. Maybe exclamation, exclamation point. Exclamation point. Yeah, so if we keep that in the forefront of our thoughts, be determined never to injure or grieve your spouse. We will, we will avoid many pitfalls in the area of emotional intimacy, you know, not working. Number three, we want to talk about physical intimacy. And again, this will be fine because we're going to highlight what that really means in the broader picture of daily life. When we're thinking, and this is one of the things that, that I pray for almost daily, and that is that I will be sensitive to the needs of my wife. Inspiration says, do all that you can. Actually, it says, do all that lies within your power to make her life happy. This is not indulgence. It means a sensitivity to the awareness of what I can do to contribute to the happiness of my wife. And having that mindset... There it is again, that, that framework of mind and the us focus, it really makes a huge difference. God answers those prayers. Now, something very interesting with my wife, okay? I've been doing this informal survey all, all over the world, okay? So you listen to what, what she does, and I'm going to ask and see if anybody else tunes into this. Ladies. Maybe it works with men, too. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But anyway, sometimes we'll, well, we're often on airplanes flying, and I will just, you know, I'll have my arm around my wife and pull her over to me and touch her neck, and she'll go, what were you thinking? I said, what do you mean? She said, you had some very specific thoughts then. I said, so how do you know that? She said, I could tell through your touch. She was right. And okay? I don't let him off the hook. He has to answer the question. Okay, what were you thinking? See, he tries to divert me with, you know, these other questions, and I bring it right back to him. So I just want to know, when that happened, what was the, the, the line of thought that went through, you know, from here to here, or however it goes through, what were you thinking? And he tells me, and I already know it, but I like to hear it, right? You like to hear it. That's that uh, intimacy and communication through the intimacy right. of touch. 
So I became aware of this very early in our, our married life, and I have tried to fake her out numerous times, okay? I can't tell you how many times. I, I have, I've tried to, to, so, you know, we'll be done with that conversation. I've told her what I was thinking, and then I will come back, and, you know, a little while later, and I will do or that. Or a different trip. Or a different trip. And or I will, at home. And I'll be trying to just do a test, okay? That's all I'm trying to do, just a test. She goes, fake, <laughs> counterfeit. I said, how do you know the difference? I'm touching you with the same pressure. She said, it's the thoughts. He even has tried to, to, to recall which finger moves across the neck first and get it in the exact order with the exact pressure and the exact part of the neck, just, just to see. And, and I can always tell the difference. She's never missed. So that's a challenge to a guy, right? Someday I've got to be able to fake her out. No, you don't. You have to always be honest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's an example of physical intimacy, right? It has nothing to do with what we think of as intimacy. It's just simply an expression of the closeness we feel. But physical intimacy isn't just limited to touch or physical contact, okay, to be physically intimate. Because truly the definition is looking for ways in a physical or tangible way to make the other person's life happier and better. Is that, is that a fair definition in a broad sense? And if we pay more attention to this in our day-to-day -day time together, however much that may be, we will see the other aspects of our relationship growing more intimate. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, there are many. Wow, there's a lot on here. We'll never get to all those. Okay. Uh, one of the things my husband does is when my mom and I are going to go shopping or if we're going to run into 30 miles to town to get our mail and come home, he will go out to the garage. He will bring the car up. If it's wintertime, he will turn on the heated seats get the car warm, and then help my mom and I out to the car. Then he will go to the gate, tenth of a mile from the house. He'll open the gate so I don't have to get out of the car. And he'll give me a goodbye wish, kiss, wave, whatever. We drive off, he shuts the gate. That is physical intimacy. It's saying to me, I love you. I want to make your life easier right now. I want to do something special for you. And I want to, it's all spontaneous from his heart. That is a big wow for me. And I never expect it. And some days I'll even say, honey, don't worry about it. It's okay. I don't mind getting out and opening the gate. No, no, I want to go. He, sometimes he'll ride with us. And sometimes, no, I need the extra exercise. He'll run down to the gate or, you know, he'll, by the time we get mother in the car, he has time to get to the gate. But anyway, that's a huge message. So much so he even likes me to call him on the way home. There's a certain part. When I get to the certain place in, in the road on the way home, I'm, all, I'm at this place. He says, I'll meet you at the gate. And he walks out, stops what he's doing, walks out to the gate, has it open. They're greeting me with a big smile. That is huge to draw our hearts together. It's an act of physical... Um, care and concern to enhance, to demonstrate his love and enhance our relationship. You know, one of the things that um, I started doing many years ago when our children were still home, when we would have the blessing, wherever we were, I would give my wife a kiss. So if anybody's eaten with us, we've eaten with some of you, you know, when we've been here. After we have the blessing, I give my wife a kiss. Now, only she really knows what all that means. Wherever we are in the world, that kiss is a simple appreciation of all that she does for me, all that she does for our family. And she knows that. It means more than that, too, but that's the simple, okay? But... <laughs> That's not, doesn't cost anything, but it's meaningful. 
So we're hoping that as you see these different kinds of intimacy that are taken in the broader day, that you will come through with things that will, through the day, bring that intimate connection in these various ways. Too often we're consumed with what, we, what our agenda is or what, our, what we have to get accomplished or what project we need to get to the finish line or the demands of our job or occupation, whatever. And we set aside our relationship. And I think that one of the difficulties we had at the beginning of our marriage, and it's not really, it's not a problem now, but we still think differently. And that is, I could be at work and think about him all day long and still do all my work, even in nursing. It's mind-boggling for me. Now, I mean, you know, in ICU, obviously, I'm very focused, but I would have little flashes of him, and, and I'm already in my mind preparing my thoughts for when we're back together. And I just, again, we talked about the cycle of malfunction. The first miss is misconception. I had a misconception, I assume, because that's how I thought. I assumed that's what he thought. So one day I asked him, shortly into our marriage, did you think about me today? And I paused. <laughs> that's called failure right there. <laughs> I paused because all I wanted to do was be honest. And, and I said, yeah, twice. Twice, she said. I've been thinking about you all day. I said, did you get any work done? <laughs> she said, yeah, I can work and think about you at the same time. I said, doesn't happen that way for me. You know, when I'm doing what I need to do in radiology and I can't be making mistakes. Well, I wasn't making mistakes either. I know, but I, I assumed that if you're thinking about me, you're making mis you could be making mistakes. Okay. Okay? But I've come to understand long ago that women can do many things that men can't do. <laughs> Multi-track thinking. But are you, we, we talk about this because it's healthy for us to begin in the day to have the communication intimacy. So we're connecting through our conversations, our talking, our sharing, expressions of love, expressions of appreciation. We are doing that through the day. And then the emotional intimacy, we're looking for ways to, to emotionally be close to the other. And you have to put it in the context of your relationship, right? Because you can't do what we do. You have to do what you would do. And if you say, well, we don't do anything, well, God will give you something you can do, and he'll continue to grow it and put it within the, your, your framework, your personalities. But as we do this during the day, and then we bring in the physical intimacy in the acts of love and service and thoughtfulness and maybe touch in there, we are preparing ourselves for the intimacy, the ultimate intimacy, okay? But what so often happens is the woman's mind is thinking, and, and shall I even say for me, daydreaming about how I see the, you know, things rolling out. And what I, I create this romantic evening together and this grand scenario. And then when it doesn't happen, and then the day is gone, and now the intimacy, he's ready for the intimacy, it's hard for me to make that shift. So men, listen up, because I don't stand alone in this. This is very much a woman need. So we're trying to help improve and, and support and encourage your marriages that it's, it's the little things often. Inspiration says it's the little things often done in the, the little day. Little attentions. Little yep. attentions often done during the day that, are the, that bring the culmination the of, sum of life's happiness. happiness. <laughs> and so, again, you can't just ignore all of this and expect that, you know, the marriage is going to be beautiful because of 
intimacy in the way we generally think of it. it it's all of this in combination that makes it that beautiful picture. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Now that encapsulates the broad picture of intimacy, and that's a picture of connected mutuality and love. Mm -hmm. So what are we willing to do for our love? Not what is she willing to do, what am I willing to do? And we again leave the spiritual for the last. Spiritual intimacy is the most important aspect, which is why, again, we leave it for the last. Keeping the spiritual health, the spiritual happiness as the highest priority for our love. What are we willing to do spiritually for our love? So think about what you're doing. We talk to so many couples, and they say, well, we go to church every week. That's good. But that's only a couple hours or three out of an entire week. And it usually isn't a lot to, to help you connect spiritually on the deeper level. It's a good sermon and a study of a lesson, right? And the Sabbath school lesson is good. And yeah, we should say the Sabbath school lesson and participate in the class. But a lot of times the Sabbath school lesson may not be practically applicable to our relationship, right? It may be on evangelism. It may be on who knows what, the life of Job. And there are certainly lessons in any one of those quarterlies we can draw out and plug into our relationship. But we just want to encourage every couple here to not just use that. That's a general worldwide format to, to continue Bible study as a worldwide church to have unity in the diversity of cultures, okay? It's kind of like a connection point. We're all learning and studying the same thing. But we need to connect here as a husband and wife. So we encourage you in your devotional life as a husband and wife to pick something that's particularly uh, meaningful to your relationship. If you know that there's areas in your relationship that you are struggling with, that you keep you know, falling to the bottom on or starting down that spiral on, at that point, let that be the topic that you start to study about through scripture and inspiration. Find that topic, read about it, discuss it. How does it fit into our family? And what does it look like practically? And now what are we going to do about it to make that part of our lives as a couple? And that will really uh, accelerate your spiritual intimacy in your relationship. Yeah, those of you that were here yesterday, we talked about the book Desire of Ages, and, and that was such a huge blessing to us spiritually, but bonding our spiritual intimacy. And, and I said yesterday that I've never lost track of my wife's spiritual health from that time forward. So as a result of that great experience together, we make time every morning for part of our spiritual growth outside of our, you know, our personal prayer time and connection with the Lord. We make time as a couple, and we pray together, and we read together. And that is a bonding time for us that, that is very mutually spiritually edifying and growing for us in our, in our spiritual intimacy. And we would encourage you to do that. Praying, uh, we mentioned also that we pray in the evening out loud together before we close the day. That is another blessing that we would encourage you to do. You know, it's very interesting. One of the ways that, that I have kept track of my wife and having her spiritual interest as a priority in my life 
is I ask her three questions. And these questions are not infrequent. They might not be once a week, but... Maybe not even they're, once a month. They're, they're, you know, at least they're out there and they're very important questions. And I begin with this question. How am I doing? Now, the very first time I asked that question to her, I had a bit of trepidation. You can understand why, okay? <laughs> and her response, the very first time I asked it, was something like this. Do you really want to know? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yes, I was committed. And she answered. And it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but it was an open time. It was a meaningful time. And through the years, I've never stopped asking that question, which is then followed by, after she shares how I'm doing, which is followed by, how are we doing as a couple? It's an opportunity. We go on long walks sometimes out where we live. Our nearest neighbor's a mile. And we love the quietness there. And we'll go on long walks. I mean six to eight mile long walks, okay? You get a lot of good talking, communication time. So I'll say, how, how are we doing as a couple? And it's an opportunity that she opens her heart and we share together. And then my last question is always, how are you doing spiritually? And it's not just all about me. He shares how he, and you're bringing that Absolutely. up. How are we doing? I share, but he shares his viewpoint. This is so important because it, it, it keeps us tracking together. That's right. Otherwise, we default to making assumptions about the other person, and we don't validate those assumptions, and then we find out that, well, we're a long ways apart, not intentionally, but by default. So that's very important. Yeah, and then how am I doing? And we talk about that and how he's doing spiritually, it's so important to really keep, keep tabs and encourage one another because everything we face in this world is designed by the adversary to disconnect us from the most important power and relationship we could have, and that's with Christ and his power to live in our hearts. And so it's not getting any easier in society. It's getting more challenging and we need to keep this in the forefront of our thoughts. So it's it's still the spiritual intimacy is involving the communication intimacy, it's involving the emotional intimacy, it's involving the physical intimacy because maybe we're sitting together, we're holding hands as we walk or whatever, we're together and then it's it's bringing it to our spiritual walk our, our lives together. And one of the things that the Lord has, is, I say, still teaching me, and I've shared it with many women, and it's not just something women need to know, it's something men need to know, but we will always find something in the other that we don't like, okay? There's always weaknesses. I have them and he has them. But that cannot be our focus, okay? But so often that becomes a focus. And love is, is squashed by by. Um, negative focus. Yeah, negative focus and, and complaining about those things. But one of the things that's been very helpful to me and for all of us is that we need to love our spouse exactly as they are today. That's the spiritual intimacy. I, I'm so thankful my husband loves me today as I am. Not that he wants me to stay that way, but he accepts me. And he, he helps to nurture me closer to the Lord. So often, women will say, but I can't love my husband. He's not the spiritual leader. I can't trust my husband. He's not taking time for God. God doesn't qualify his love for us by how much we've attained, how much time we spend with him, or how much we have grown in our character into his likeness. He loves us exactly as we are this very moment. And if we can love one another as we are this very moment, 
then we can continue to love, and that love will help to grow into a fuller and richer experience spiritually and in every other aspect. Yeah, because it creates an atmosphere of growth. It promotes growth. It, it frees us to grow. Philippians 2.2 2 says, Fulfill you my joy, that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Is that good counsel? That's God's will for us. That brings joy into the marriage and it brings joy to our Father in heaven, the author of marriage, the author of love. What are you willing to do for your love? In closing, I'm going to share a song. This is going to be for my wife. So she's going to sit down, and I'm going to sing this song to her. And for every couple that's here, I'd like you to feel free to hold hands, to put your arm around each other, pull them in close. I will be here. Tomorrow morning if you wake up and the sun does not appear, I, I will be If in the dark we lose sight of love, hold my hand and have no fear, cause I, I will be here, I will be here, when you feel like being quiet, when you need to speak your mind. I will listen, I will be here When the laughter turns to crying Through the winning, losing and trying We'll be together Cause I will be here Tomorrow morning if you wake up and the future is unclear, I, I will be here. As sure as seasons are made for change, our lifetimes are made for years. So I, I will be here. I will be here, and you can cry on my shoulder. And when that mirror tells us we're older, I will hold you, and I will be here to watch you grow in beauty. And tell you all the things you are to me, I will be here. I will be true to the promise I have made to you and to the one 
who gave you to me. Our lifetimes are made for years, so I, I will be here, we'll be together, cause I will be We stand together as we close in prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you for always being here for us, for our marriages. And Father, I pray for every man that's married in this room today. The words of these song, this song will strike deeply into each of our hearts that we will be here. Yes, in the day that we live in, it's, it's almost a miracle to stay in marriages with all the things that work against us. But Father, we just ask that as we commit to you that we will be all that we can be and that we will be the blessing that we can be in our marriages as husbands. I pray for each wife here with a faithfulness to cooperate, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org dot org.